This is Ethics Bites with me, David Edmonds. And me, Nigel Warburton. Ethics Bites is a series of interviews on applied ethics produced in association with The Open University. For more information about Ethics Bites and about The Open University, go to open2.net. OK, bear with me. You're standing by a railway line. An out-of-control trolley is heading down the tracks towards you. Tragically, there are five people tied to the track ahead. It looks like they'll all be killed. Fortunately, you have a chance to save them. By turning a switch, you can send a trolley hurtling down a spur, a sidetrack, where, most unfortunately, one man is tied to the rails. But killing him would save the five. There's another option. A second switch would operate a trap door on an overhead footbridge, dropping an unsuspecting overweight train spotter onto the track below, stopping the train, he's large enough to do this, but of course killing the train spotter. What should you do? A ludicrous scenario? Maybe, but these and other trolley problems have been used by philosophers such as Judith Jarvis Thompson and Philippa Foote to dissect and clarify our deepest intuitions about the morality of killing about, for example, terrorism and euthanasia. Michael Otsuka is one of the leading experts on what's been called trolleyology. Michael Otsuka, welcome to Ethics Bites. Nice to be here. Now, the topic we're going to focus on today is known as the trolley problem, which is essentially a problem about killing one person to save many. I wonder if you could outline the kind of case that it's supposed to deal with. Right, so let's begin with another problem, what one might call the tramp problem. We're to imagine that a homeless man walks into a hospital and the doctor who's treating him notices that he happens to be a perfect match for five different people who are dying of various organ failures. The question is, would it be permissible for the doctor to carve him up in order to transplant his heart into one of the patients, lungs in another patient's liver, and so forth? Now, most people have the immediate reaction that this would be a moral outrage for the doctor to do this. And the thought is that it's impermissible to kill one person, even to prevent five people from being killed. And that contrasts with the trolley problem. Right. So the trolley is an American word for a tram. And so we're to imagine the following case. A trolley is careening down a track out of control. And here you are, you see this horrible scene unfolding because you see that there are five people stuck at the end of this track. Now, if you do nothing, the trolley will run over the five, but you notice that there's a lever alongside the track, and if you push the lever, that will turn the points of the track and send the trolley down a side spur. Therefore, you could save the five, but unfortunately, there happens to be one person stuck on the side track. So if you turn the trolley onto the side track, you'd end up killing this one person. Now, interestingly, most people have the intuition that it's permissible to turn the trolley onto the sidetrack. In fact, the BBC did an online poll, and 77% of 14,000 respondents agreed that you ought to turn the trolley on to the sidetrack. In another online survey, 90% of the people said you ought to do this. So what it seems to me there is you've got this problem. In one case, it's permissible to kill an individual on a track. But in the tramp case, you couldn't possibly kill that tramp to get the organs to save the five. Right. How do we explain the difference? Well, here's one explanation. In the tramp case, we're to imagine that a doctor is doing the killing, and there might be special institutional reasons 
not to want doctors to engage in this sort of behavior. It's very important that people feel enough confidence to go to the hospital in order to be treated. If we started to fear that whenever we went to the hospital, if our organs happened to be a perfect match for people who are dying, the doctor would decide to carve us up rather than cure us, we'd be less likely to go to the hospital and that would have bad effects overall. So the really interesting thing is the contrast between these two cases because our intuitions go in completely different directions. In the trolley case, it's okay to kill. In the tramp case, it really isn't. And one explanation is that in the tramp case, there are serious consequences beyond the death of the tram. Our faith in doctors and what they're going to do to us when we go into hospital will actually break down. But actually, it's more complicated than that. Right. We can just consider another trolley case. This case involves a footbridge that's over the main track. So once again, you have this trolley careening down a track out of control. And if you do nothing, the trolley will run over five people at the end of the track. Now, instead of sending the trolley off onto a side spur, this is how you stop the trolley from killing the five. You use your bare hands to push someone off a footbridge over the track so that he tumbles onto the track. The trolley hits him, and his weight is sufficient to prevent the trolley from hitting the five. Unfortunately, you end up killing that one person. Now, in this case, vast majority of people who have been asked about this case have the intuition that it's impermissible to push the one from the footbridge onto the path of the trolley in order to prevent the trolley from killing the five. Now, we can't offer the sort of explanation against killing the one that we offered in the medical case. There's no institutional reason that parallels the institutional reason we have to ensure that doctors behave in a way that will elicit the trust of patients. So we've got a new problem. Call this the footbridge versus the original trolley case problem. How do we explain why it is that it's permissible to kill the one in the act of saving five in the original trolley case, whereas it's impermissible to kill the one by pushing him off the footbridge in the second trolley case. I think the temptation of some people would be to jump themselves rather than push somebody over. If only you could sacrifice yourself by jumping off the footbridge yourself, you would do that. Unfortunately, you're just not large enough to prevent the trolley from running over the five. There does happen to be a much larger person sitting next to you, so you decide with a heavy heart to push him off the footbridge instead of yourself. And luckily, you're strong enough to do that. Right, yes. As Philippa Foote, who was actually the person who invented the trolley problem, would say at this point, philosophers have arranged that things are exactly as we've described them. Okay, so my intuitions are very strongly that I shouldn't push this large person in front of the train. In fact, you might be surprised to learn that psychologists have actually hooked individuals up to what are called functional magnetic resonance imaging machines. People are able to see what bits of the brain light up when people are confronted with these problems and decide what they should do. And as it happens, when people are presented with a footbridge case and the prospect of pushing someone off the footbridge, and when they recoil at that prospect, parts of the brain that are associated with emotional responses light up. Whereas when people contemplate turning the switch so that the trolley goes off onto the side spur and decide that they ought to do that, other bits of the brain light up, where these bits of the brain are associated with cognition and means and reasoning and the like. So what do you think that shows? Well, the philosopher Peter Singer says that it shows the following. Some cases have a certain evolutionary history. We once lived in small groups where it was possible actually to kill other individuals with your bare hands. And it's a good thing that people develop inhibitions against killing other people with their bare hands because it's usually the case 
that when you go off and kill another non-threatening person as this large person alongside you is with your bare hands, that'll do much more harm than good. So we have this general inhibition or taboo that's been evolutionarily selected for against using your bare hands to kill non-threatening individuals. Now, in the case where you push a lever, which then causes a bit of machinery to go off into the side spur. Of course, our long evolutionary history would not have confronted us with such high-tech problems. So Singer says that our evolutionarily selected emotional reactions just don't apply to that case, and there we can just let reason take over. Now Singer comes to the conclusion that we should actually trust reason and acknowledge that our emotional inhibitions are not going to be all that fine-grained. They're usually reliable, because usually when we are inhibited against killing, it would do more harm than good to kill. But in some unusual cases, such as the case that philosophers have arranged involving pushing someone off a footbridge, you'll actually do more good than harm by killing the one with your bare hands. So Singer says you should push the guy off the bridge, because that will produce the best consequences in terms of outcome, because only one person will die rather than five. That's right. So Singer ends up endorsing the utilitarian point of view according to which you should always do the most good. And we ought to trust our reasoning over our evolutionarily selected inhibitions. But you disagree with Singer. That's right. We can simply once again modify the footbridge case so that rather than involving the killing of someone with your bare hands by shoving him off a footbridge, we can imagine that as in the original trolley case, the way to save the five is to push a lever But in this case, rather than the levers turning the points of the trolley so that it goes off the main track and onto the side spur, if you push the lever, what happens is the trap door opens underneath the large man on the footbridge, sending him down onto the main track so that the trolley hits him and comes to a halt rather than carrying on down and killing the five. Now, most people, I think, have the intuition that it's impermissible to push the lever that activates the trap door. So the problem is, how do we explain why it is that it's impermissible to activate the trapdoor, but it's permissible to send the trolley down the side spur where there's one person? In each case, you kill one where the killing of the one is necessary if you were to save five lives. It does seem strange, doesn't it? Because they're both switch-pushing events. They both have the same consequence as somebody dies, and they both have the same consequence that five people are saved, effectively. So at this point, I think it's useful to appeal to something known as the doctrine of double effect, a doctrine that goes actually back to the Catholic teachings of Thomas Aquinas. Okay, so what is the law of double effect? Well, this doctrine prohibits the intending of an evil, such as, for example, the hitting of an innocent person with a trolley. It prohibits intending an evil either as an end in itself or as a means to some greater good. But the doctrine, by contrast, says that it's sometimes permissible to do that which you merely foresee will bring about an evil, so long as you don't intend the evil. So that might be easier to understand if you gave a specific example of how it could be applied. Here's one application. Take the case of euthanasia. The Catholic Church teaches that it's impermissible to give someone a massive dose, say, of morphine with the intention of killing that person. But it is permissible in certain circumstances to administer a dose of morphine in order to alleviate excruciating pain, even though you foresee that that dose of morphine will also bring about the death of the person. So long as the intention is alleviation of pain, not the death of the person, which would be regarded as an evil. 
by the Catholic Church. Okay, so let's get back to the trolley problem. How does that illuminate what's going on with those cases? So in the trapdoor version, it seems pretty clear that you intend that the trolley hit the one. Your intention is that you bring the person down from the footbridge onto the track of the trolley so that the trolley will hit him in order to come to a halt. So it appears you intend this evil of the trolleys hitting this one innocent person. Now recall the original trolley case. Well, in the original trolley case, the hitting of the one person on the side spur isn't at all useful. So if that one person didn't exist on the side spur, you'd be able to save the five simply by sending the trolley down this empty side spur. Now note that you actually need the trolley to hit the one person in the trapdoor case. So it seems that you merely foresee the death of the one in the original trolley case, but you intend that the trolley hit the one in the trapdoor version of the trolley case. So the doctrine of double effect could explain the difference between the two cases. It could actually illuminate why we're prepared to flick the switch in the ordinary trolley problem, but we're not going to push the button to let the large person stop the train. It does appear to do a very nice job of sorting out these two cases. Unfortunately, there are other cases which the doctrine of double effect doesn't deal well with. Let's consider one such case. This is what's known as the loop version of the trolley case. Now, this case is just like the original trolley case with one big difference. So remember, in the original trolley case, the trolley is headed towards the five, and you send it off onto a side spur where it will end up hitting one on that side spur. Now, in the loop version, the side spur involves a bit of track that eventually loops back around and rejoins the main track. So if the side track had been empty, then you're sending the trolley onto the side track wouldn't really do much good because it just goes off onto this temporary detour, but then rejoins the main track and kills the five in any event. If, however, there's someone on that side track, then the trolley will actually come to a halt by hitting that one person. Now, the majority of philosophers have the intuition that it's permissible to turn the trolley in this loop version of the trolley case, yet it also appears that you're using the hitting of the one person as a means to save the five people in this version. Well, that's weird, isn't it? Assuming that person's large enough to stop the trolley, that person is being used as a block, a human shield against the other five. It does seem strange that people would think it's permissible to kill the one in this case, where it's clear you're using the one as a means, whereas it's impermissible to kill the one in the trapdoor case, where once again you're using the person as a means. So you're saying that most philosophers won't drop a large person from a footbridge by pressing a button, but they will flick a switch that sends a trolley on a loop with the result that it kills a large person on the track and stops the trolley. At first glance, that seems fine, because the the loop problem looks almost the same as the original trolley problem. You've got a trolley coming up to a fork, you either kill one person or you kill five. Well, I think that people do actually tend to assimilate the loop case to the original trolley case. It seems so similar to the original trolley case. Some philosophers have said, well, the only difference between the two cases is that there's an extra bit of track that loops around behind that person. How could the addition of that extra bit of track make a morally significant difference. But you think it's wrong for philosophers to say it's okay to go down the loop? Even though it seems hard to distinguish the loop case from the original trolley case, you're using the hitting of the one as a means in the loop case, not in the original trolley case. And the doctrine of double effect 
distinguishes between using as a means and merely foreseeing the hitting of the one. So I think that the loop case should really be assimilated to the trap door case where we use the one as a means rather than being assimilated to the original trolley case. The respect in which it's like the trap door case, namely you're using the one as a means, is I think more morally relevant than the respects in which it seems so similar to the original trolley case. And I think it's worth mentioning that Though most philosophers think that it's permissible to turn the trolley onto the sidetrack in the loop case, when individuals are polled and they're confronted with the loop case first, before they've been confronted with any other case, a majority of them don't say it's permissible. In fact, people split 50-50. So I think that the history of the trolley case in the philosophical literature, the fact that the loop case is presented after the trolley case about which people have such strong intuitions, should lead us to question the intuitive response of philosophers that it's permissible to turn the trolley in the loop case. These trolley cases are quite artificial. I mean, most people in their daily life aren't going to encounter runaway trolleys in this sort of way. Fortunately. But it's not just a philosopher's game, this. There are real life implications for this kind of thinking. Right. So I mentioned the case of euthanasia and the distinction that people draw between administering morphine to relieve pain, foreseeing that someone will die, and administering morphine with the intention of killing someone. Now, the other application is the case of terrorism and warfare. People who apply the doctrine of double effect to warfare will insist that. It's impermissible to drop a bomb on a city, whether it be Hiroshima or whether it be the firebombing of of Dresden, with the intention of killing innocents, even if that's in pursuit of the worthy goal of bringing about an end to this war. Whereas they won't take the same attitude towards the dropping of a bomb on a military target, say on a munitions factory, even if a comparable number of people will die. The latter, of course, has acquired the repugnant name of collateral damage. But even if we reject that terminology, I think that we still want to draw a distinction. It's never permissible to intend the death of innocents in warfare, whereas it's sometimes permissible to foresee that a same number of people will die in the pursuit of some military objective. So this is a case where what seems to be a very abstract philosophical discussion impinges directly on how we decide to live our lives. That's right. It's, it's actually incorporated into rules of warfare that most people accept. Michael Otsuka, thank you very much. Thank you. Ethics Bites was produced in association with The Open University. You can listen to more Ethics Bites on open2.net, where you'll also find supporting material. Or you can visit www.philosophybytes.com to hear more philosophy podcasts. <music>